Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to another episode of Horse Hour. Now we're into 2016. I can't believe Christmas and New Year has gone already. Um, I'm kind of relieved because Christmas and New Year is quite stressful for me. Trying to find the time to do the horses in between cooking lunch and uh, making sure that the family are okay. But uh, it is nice to spend a little bit of extra time with your horse. And I hope you had a really good New Year. I also hope that you're not affected too much by the flooding because the weather's been really bad. Um, but we have a great lineup for 2016 for Horse Hour. The first thing I need to do is say thank you so much because you've made us five stars on iTunes, which is absolutely awesome. I'm, I'm so grateful. Um, if you haven't done a review or done a rating yet already, then please go onto iTunes and do that um, because this year is going to be mega and it starts with my first guest. His name is Barry Cridland and we all know how our mind affects how we ride and sometimes our mind gets in the way. We, we really have this passion and we want to be amazing riders but we struggle because we battle with our own head and that's where Barry comes in because he has a diploma in cognitive behavioral hypnotherapy he works with people all over the country helping them to get back on their horses and helping them to develop their riding through using the mind and using hypnotherapy so I'd like to introduce Barry Cridland how are you Barry? Amy, I'm doing great. Thank you very much. And first of all, can I just say Happy New Year to you? And thank you, thank you once again for the opportunity to have a chat with you today. I'm really looking forward to it. Well, I'm, I'm really, really, really pleased that you've come on the podcast on Horse Hour because the mind is something that I personally struggle with every single day. And I've always been fascinated with cognitive behavioural therapy and with hypnotherapy as well, because I do know that it works. Um, and I'd like to know a little bit more about how how it works. So let's let's start with how did you even get into it? God, I I wish I had a stock answer for this. And there's one question that I get asked quite a lot and uh, I should be better prepared for it. Um, it's, it's I have a background in training. I do a lot of coaching uh, and training with people. I did undertake some, or I wasn't, didn't undertake, I was involved with some hypnotherapy. I was uh, a recipient of some hypnotherapy quite a few years ago. And I came away from it thinking, God, I feel absolutely brilliant from it. It wasn't for any anything in particular. It was just about building a bit of confidence. And I came away thinking, wow, this is fantastic. And then I looked into it a bit more uh, as a model to use for uh, some of the work that I was doing at the time. And it just evolved from there. Um, I went to night school, then I went to college uh, to study and get my diploma. 
Um, and then I focused on just working with sports people. Uh, but two years ago, uh, this was about five years ago when I first started. And then two years ago, I niched down just working with show jumpers mm -hmm. and horse riders. I started working with uh, a 13-year-old horse rider. And uh, it just evolved from there, uh, working with uh, riders. And, uh, and now, um, not exclusive to riders because I do uh, work in other sports, but 95% of my business is with horse riders, uh, predominantly female between the ages of 20 uh, and 50, uh, looking just to rebuild confidence. And as you say, it's how our mind affects our behavior whenever we get on a horse. It's interesting that you that that's your age bracket because under 20 you tend to have so much confidence you don't really care you're like yeah we'll get on the horse we'll bolt around we, you know they, they they have no fear and then something happens at 20 21 and you think oh actually this is a little bit scary and then by the time I'm 31 I'm now petrified of everything I mean the tree can move and I think oh god what's that you know what's the horse going to do it's never the things around it's always what is the horse going to do and what if yeah, we do have a way of thinking and trying to preempt what's going to happen. Uh, it's interesting what you say there about young children uh, not having confidence. I work quite a bit with children between 13 and 20. Oh, do you? The majority of my clients are between 20 and 50. But we're, we're conditioned by, uh, from an early age, we're conditioned that people around us and the environment that we're working in or living in. Because um, we're only born with two fears. Mm -hmm. Everything else we inherit and everything else we learn from uh, and adapt from the environment and uh, the conditions that uh, are put on us. So, yes, younger kids do tend to don't have that fear because they're not conditioned uh, in the same way that we are whenever we grow up and we become tuned into the dangers of some of the things that we're doing. But saying that, you know, that unfortunately, there are some children that don't have a lot of confidence uh, or they, they do have a lot of confidence. They just don't know how to tap into that uh, resource of confidence. And so sometimes it, the conditions that influence uh, their behavior and their lack of confidence. So what made you choose hypnotherapy rather than psychology? Hypnotherapy is very quick mm -hmm. and it is a, a chapter of uh, psychology as well. Psychology covers a lot of other psychological issues. Uh, I only wanted to focus on working with sports people because I, I, I love my sports anyway. And uh, I just wanted to help sports people achieve what they want to achieve. And you know what? It's nothing to do with wanting to ride in the Horse of the Year show or just wanting to win competitions. Yeah, that is part of it. But most of my clients, for them, they just want to get back to enjoying horse riding. And for me, hypnotherapy, they don't have to go down there. There aren't necessarily a lot of other psychological issues that are affecting that state of mind. And it can be achieved quite quickly and simply and easily just using hypnotherapy as a therapeutic model. It's really interesting you say that because I find that I'm petrified of riding. Like, it's insane. I absolutely love it. But as I've got older, I've got more afraid. And I actually found out that my that I suffer from anxiety. I didn't know this. And, and you say that, you know, a, a lot of the issues aren't other issues. But I only found out I suffered from anxiety after realising that I was so nervous and such a nervous rider. And the whole thing about riding is that in order to get the most out of your horse, you need to be confident, you need to be relaxed. And, and I really struggled with that. Um, do you find that other people do have underlying issues that they don't realise that they have until they come to see you? Yeah, sometimes that is the case. And uh, as long as it's within my sphere of competency, I'll work with them. But on a, a few occasions, I have referred them on to uh, possibly a counselling route as well. 
Uh, which oh, are no, still, so you're saying I need uh, a counsellor now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that. But sometimes, you know, it's um, there are other issues that can be dealt with with uh, other models of therapy and not always necessarily um, hypnotherapy. But, yeah, you're right. Hypnotherapy is fantastic for relaxation because it's impossible for us as individuals and humans. It's impossible for us to be stressed or relaxed at the same time. Mm-hmm. Now, we tend to accept this stress model that we give ourselves, but we can have a lot more control over it. And this is what I teach my clients is that it's all about empowerment and it's all about control. We can start to have more control over how we feel and what our cognitive processes are than we realize. We just tend to accept that I'm going to get nervous. And and even the, the language that we give ourselves as well. Hypnosis is all about suggestion. And just going back to something that you said, as I get older, I get more nervous. You're giving yourself that suggestion. Mm. Can you see what you're doing? Yes. So you're conditioning yourself to how you're feeling. Now, I'm not saying it's not as easy <laughs> as stopping saying that, but it's it's about being aware and mindful of the language that you use. And are you defining how you are? Are you telling yourself on a regular basis, as I get older, I get more nervous. As I get older, I get more nervous. And what happens? You get older, you get more nervous. And you know what? I said, I knew I was going to be like that. But that's that's what it is. And so what I do is that voice in your head help my clients challenge that. With a lot of riders, I do find that there's a lot. Of, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the phrase confirmational bias. Mm-hmm. That refers to a type of selective thinking where we tend to notice and look for all the evidence to support a particular belief. So, and I get this quite a lot, oh, my horse doesn't like walking near water. But the horses, you know, don't mind walking by near water. But if we keep telling ourselves and keep telling ourselves that, then we believe that our horses don't like to walk near water. The reality is that if you put a different rider on that horse and walked near water, that horse would be absolutely fine. Yes. So it's how thinking influences our behavior. Now, our behavior then translates into muscle movement because our thinking can influence muscles. We don't realize this. It's like, you know, sometimes when you're having a dream and uh, your legs may move or your arm may move, mm-hmm. uh, that's because the thought process that's going on. You're taking on a suggestion and that is influencing particular muscles, especially if you're dreaming about riding a horse. <laughs> you find that legs tend to move in relation to you riding a horse. So what's happening is you take on board that suggestion. Minute muscles in that area of your body are working in relation to that suggestion. Oh. So what's to horse riders is that if you're having negative thoughts, your horse is feeling muscle tension in the legs and knows that you're not confident. Right. Now, everything I work with, there's evidence to support every thing that I do all the the, the therapies that uh, I work with there is evidence to support the efficacy of all those therapies this is one thing I haven't had any evidence in but I do know if you put two riders one confident one less confident on the same horse that horse will exhibit different behavior for both of those riders oh it's something I'd like to look into a lot more oh I can help you with that Barry because I've got um a youngster who's uh, I talk about him all the time he's six years old he's a Frisian cross Gelderlander and he had two years off after he was backed and because he had an injury so I'm bringing him into work I know that I'm not confident so there's no point in me trying to pretend that I am um and and I wanted him to be the most amazing bomb proof horse so a friend of mine is an instructor and she's very calm 
calm. She's an amazing rider. She's a very quiet rider and she's very confident. So she rides him three times a week because the idea was that if she rides him, she'll get him through the water. She'll get him past the tractors and the lorries and the, everything that I would say is scary, which means that psychologically, I've already got that extra confidence in him because I know he's done it already and he's not just relying on me. And also it means that I won't teach him any bad habits like the tractor's really scary because he'll feel it through me. He'll feel my heart rate go up. Like you said, he'll feel my muscle tension. And I can be your evidence for that because he's definitely different with me. (laughs) So with me, we're, we're very spooky. With her, he's he's bomb proof what makes her let's get back to because everything i do is all about confidence i i believe every single one of my clients and including you and everybody that i know has confidence they just don't know where to find it and what is what let's first of all what is confidence confidence is somebody's belief that they can or can't undertake a particular job or action that's all it is so you're either telling yourself you can or you're telling yourself you can't and it all comes back to this suggestion <laughs> let me ask you this <laughs> your trainer uh-huh. or coach what makes her confident experience yep yeah, i get that and her mind okay so how long have you been writing for uh okay i picked it up since i was little but i picked it up properly about again about five years ago okay so you're fairly experienced then mm. yeah? yeah so you've got experience you've got a mind as well haven't you Yes. What is it about her mind then? She listens to it. <laughs> no, oh, what's right. interesting, what's so, interesting is the mind. I can, I can, my mind, I can say, right, I'm going to, conf- I can be confident. I can deal with any situation. I'm not worried about anything, but my body doesn't listen to it. So my body will be shaking like a leaf and my heart rate will be going. And I can be telling myself over and over again, you will be fine, but my body isn't listening. No, and you know what, I get that. And I get that a lot with riders as well is because they're trying to tell themselves something that on a deeper emotional level, they can't process that information because it really doesn't mean anything to them. It's it's like saying an affirmation. I'm the greatest horse rider in the world. I'm the greatest horse rider in the world. If you don't believe it at an intellectual level, it really doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. So it's a case of starting at different levels with, with what you're telling yourself. Uh, and also reviewing what your goals are for that ride as well. But there is a relationship between your mind and your body as well. So your thinking influences your behavior, but you can control your heart rate. You can control, especially with hypnotherapy. Hypnotherapy is fantastic for staying relaxed and staying in control. And you can also manage even sweating, uh, perspiration. Really? uh, Yeah, it's fantastic for that. But it's all about staying in control and that's where I'm everybody every one of my clients that has that voice that says you know I can't do this or you know I'm going to struggle I just get them to be more mindful of the language and the suggestion that they're telling themselves and I act as that challenge in voice and to tell them but yes they can but let's take it in levels first of all let's see what level of competency uh, you have and let's see what we can start to tell ourselves that you know we can take on board and really act to it because really there's three things that uh, you need to be a good rider Uh, you need to be physically fit you need to have technical ability and you need to have the right mindful capacity uh, to be able to to undertake it because unlike other sports and this is why i love working with riders Unlike other sports, other sports people don't have the challenge of a living, breathing body, A, between them and the ground, and also between them achieving or not achieving their goal, whether it's just going out for a happy hack 
or you know undertaking the competition they only have to rely on controlling themselves mm. they can't control anything else we have to rely on controlling ourselves but we also have to rely on how we manage that horse and the relationship that we have between ourselves and our horse as well so that there are other issues that uh, we have to take on board but we have to be mindful that how we act and how we are does to a certain point influence how our horse behaves as well and and you said that quite rightly by saying you know whenever your coach gets on your horse he's absolutely fantastic mm. when you get on it's different <laughs> so it's all about focusing on what is it that they're doing that's making their horse act the way it does if it, the horse is a, a good horse mm. then it's something that they're doing and that's what i do is i start investigating interrogating what thoughts are going through somebody's mind and then give them opportunities and tools and techniques to help change them. Because as I say, we are all underneath the skin. We're all confident. We just need to know where that confidence is. Well, just taking a point that you mentioned earlier on was that the behaviour is learned as a child and as we grow up and it's our outside influences that affect how we think. Therefore, I guess you are retraining the brain now and you're retraining it to think a different way. That's absolutely right, because it's amazing how good we can be using our mind to work against us then we do have it to uh, work for us and again it comes back to that conditioning by telling ourselves whether we can or can't do something on a, a regular basis so in some areas what I do is I dehypnotize people from them <laughs> hypnotizing themselves into thinking they can't do something <laughs> yeah. I just help them reverse that process and get them to think about that they can do it and there are a number of uh, tools and techniques that I teach my clients it's all about for me it's all about empowerment it's all about giving this power back to the rider and I don't want them to be dependent on me I want them to be dependent on themselves and this then proliferates into other areas of their life as well because you know if you're a confident rider and you're walking tall and your shoulders are back all of a sudden, you know, at work, things start to happen. You're more confident at work. You're more confident interacting with, with other people as well. And, you know, it just expands from there, you know. And generally, confidence brings a little bit more relaxation as well. So if you feel you're shouting at the kids all the time because you're really stressed, actually, you might find you're a little bit more relaxed and maybe a bit more chilled out too. Yeah, and shouting at the kids is another way how we are starting to define how they are. Oh, you can't do this. Mm -hmm. You can't do we're always good at telling, especially ourselves, we're always good at telling ourselves what we don't want to do rather than telling ourselves what we do want to do. Yes. So what about the people then that it's a real battle for them to, you know, they're telling themselves the good things that they really want to go and hack. They really want to school. They really want to jump. And they're almost battling with their head all the time because their head isn't really listening. How would you help them? They are the type of people that I'm working with every day. Okay. Uh, those type of people it is about commitment uh, hypnotherapy is not me just saying uh, a few magic words somebody closes their eyes and says <laughs> a few magic words and you know it's, it's that it's about being committed but it's about using the tools on the regular basis let me offer you a little bit of disclosure about myself I come from a very unconfident background i built up my confidence using a lot of tools and techniques I didn't realize they were very much had the roots in uh, CBT but I built up my confidence over a period of time through reading books and doing uh, whatever I needed to do to to get to where I am today but I am still using the tools and techniques to help me be the person that I want to be because I'm not allowing my mind to dictate to me how I used to be so it's about being committed to it it's about knowing the tools and techniques and you know what Amy there are answers out there and there is support out there whether it's me or whoever it doesn't matter but there is support out there and you know use it pick the tools up and the techniques 
and use them on a daily basis. You'll be surprised how quickly and how easily change can happen. So let's look at it from an educating horse point of view. When you educate a horse, you go through the little steps, like you mentioned earlier. So you may do, um, you learn how to walk gently um, with a long rein, with a soft neck, and then you learn to go into trot, and then it's all step by step. If anything happens to the horse, or they go wrong in any way, or you're having a problem, you tend to go back a few steps, and you always go backwards to go forward. You go backwards to go forwards. And what you're instilling in the horse is the early learning techniques to be able to move the horse forward um, with its with its training. I guess for a human, what you're saying is to retrain the brain and the hypnotherapy is you, you're learning the, the little levels, the little steps, you're moving forward. But then if you ever encounter a problem through later life, you can just go back a few steps again and say, OK, it's not working. So we'll go back to our tools that you taught us earlier. Amy, that is exactly right. When I'm working with my clients for the first few months or so, everything is going great. They're achieving the goals they've set themselves and they are feeling really, really good about themselves. And confidence and motivation are great bed partners as well. After four or five months, sometimes I get calls from clients to say, it's, you know, it's not working. When we sit down and review things, they've just stopped using the tools they had. So they've forgotten about it or they've just decided not to use it. And when they go back to using it again, then they realise that they can achieve what they want to achieve as long as they're committed to using the tools they have. Whenever they're first using those tools, they have to be consciously aware of what they're doing. Mm -hmm. After a while, it becomes second nature. It's like when you first pass your driving test, you get in a car, you think, okay, put my hand on the mirror. Is it straight? Am I out of gear? You're moving hands. Is the clutch? Everything that you're doing, you do it consciously. Now, after driving after about a year or 10 years or something like that, you get in the car, turn the radio on, and you're away before you even know it. Just yeah. do things on automatic pilot. And this is where our behaviors come from. Uh, after a while, if we keep doing those new challenging tools and techniques that you're taught, you have to work at them at a conscious level. After a while, they become unconscious. And so those, that confident rider or coach that you have, she's probably doing things. She's not even aware that she's doing. Mm. She's probably telling herself that she's a good rider. She's probably visualizing, seeing herself, getting on that horse, knowing what she's going to do. She knows what her goals are. She knows exactly where she is. But she's just doing it unconsciously and she's on autopilot with it. But all sports people do go through those processes either consciously or unconsciously so um, it's a case of being committed and this is what's fascinating is um, and we're really grateful to you because we quite often see really really good professional sports riders that have hypnotherapists they have sports psychologists and they can be at the top of their game but they still need that little bit of help just to take them give them that edge and take them a little bit further so we see them and we see them having all these all this help and therapy and treatment and they've got the best They've got the best psychologists, they've got the best hypnotherapists, they've got the best coaches, they've got the best equipment, they've got the best everything. And we always feel that that's out of our reach. But now you've come along and said, no, 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 you can have this help as well, even from the lowest level rider to the beginner rider, right up to the top end professional rider. Yes. And with some of the top end riders, they couldn't do it on their own. No. They just can't do it. They can't perform at that level on their own they need a team around them to keep them focused on what they need to do nutritionists they have fitness trainers uh, as they have psychology coaches they have hypnotherapy and that's just outside that's just working on the rider that's outside of everybody that's supporting the upkeep of the horse as well and uh, the performance and fitness of the horse 
So if they can't do it by themselves at that level, then why should we expect to be able to do it ourselves whenever we're first starting? Or even if we are just struggling and we have been riding and just been persevering with it and getting on with it and not enjoying it. But you know what? I just love to do it, but I'm just not enjoying it. And I think that's the great sadness of horse riders is that I come across a lot of them that, you know, they love riding and you can see it in their eyes. And, you know, the enjoyment for it has just gone out. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'm pleased to say that I've saved a lot of horses being sold because I've been able to install that enjoyment back into riders again. And, you know, they contact me afterwards and say, like, it's it's just life changing for some people. And sometimes it's just the smallest things. So, uh, yeah, getting back to what you were saying, it's, it's a team effort. And sometimes every now and again, I work with people to support me uh, doing what I'm doing in my business Mm -hmm. and we all need support every now and again. Just need knowing where to go to find that support. Do you have another business as well then? Uh, No, this is uh, my sole business. I do do some consultancy for uh, one of the national banks uh, for behavioural work uh, with them. Uh, Wow. uh, Behavioural? So uh, what you teach them how to, how to behave? (laughs) uh, Yeah. (laughs) They need that, Barry. How we're interacting with uh, with customers, and again, what we're saying as well, and how we're being mindful of the language that we're using, and um, and how we're engaging uh, with other members of staff and also the the general public as well. So, but there's a lot of behaviour uh, around that, but it links itself really well into you know how we're engaging with ourselves. What are we telling ourselves uh, to help us? And and that's what I do. And it's that CBT training that I've had, or the uh, cognitive behavior therapy, is um, all about our thinking, supporting our behavior, and defining what our behavior is. So whether we think we can do something or we think we can't, as Henry Ford said. We're right. That's true. So how do you do this then? What what happens? Do you do you do it in a room? Is it you know, if say you're a little bit nervous of hypnotherapy, because there is a big stigma around it with all the T V shows and things like that. I've had I've experienced clinical hypnotherapy myself and I have to say it was very different to going and sit seeing a backstreet hypnotherapist, which I've also seen. And the clinical hypnotherapy definitely isn't the you know the watch swinging back and forth counting you backwards from 10 you're going into another zone you're going into another level because there is a fear of that that you are not in control but the whole time as a as someone being hypnotized with somebody like yourself who does cognitive behavior therapy and uh, sports hypnotherapy is that I'm still in control of myself is that true that is absolutely true um just to go back a step though I mean my qualification is based on an integrative approach using the models of CBT and hypnosis called cognitive behavioral hypnotherapy Uh, and all the training that I've had is based on experimental and clinical research for me clients is very important and I do a full client health check with everybody that I see and are constantly evaluating uh, and monitoring my clients for anxiety and any emotional distress uh, during the sessions that I have with them. But hypnosis or hypnotherapy, they're two different things because hypnotherapy, we're looking for some uh, therapeutic uh, gain in the session. Hypnosis, pretty much most people relate to stage hypnosis mm. uh, where they seem to show as if they have more powers than they have but the control all lies with the uh, person that is being hypnotized now i believe that all hypnosis is self-hypnosis so technically i don't really hypnotize people they hypnotize themselves i help guide them into uh, this state 
Uh, I use the word state because most people are familiar with state or trance whenever they go into hypnosis. But they're in control. If they didn't want to be hypnotized, then they would just cross their arms and say, you're not going to hypnotize me. Mm. And they're absolutely right. And I get a lot of people saying, oh, you couldn't hypnotize me. And they're right. I, I couldn't hypnotize them if they didn't want to be hypnotized. So there's an element of compliance there. And most people go down this route or come to see me because they know they're going to get something out of it. And so they're willing to try it. For me, the first session is the most important because it defines how we're going to move forward with the other sessions. And I work with people on broken down into sessions or I can come along, as you say, I work all over the country. I can come along and see you and work with you for a day. And after you spend the day with me, I promise <laughs> You will have a tool bag of techniques that you can rely on that will make you the most confident rider you will ever be. But that's it. But, <laughs> and is this in a room or is it, or do you, do you train them or, or help them while they're on the horse at the same time? Most of the work is done in my clinical practice and I do work in stables and yards as well. Uh, and I, I teach my clients self-hypnosis so that they can get themselves into that state prior to them riding. And I do work with them whenever they're going out riding uh, as well. So uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's a mix of both, but predominantly in the uh, practice room, but also in stables and yards as well. See, the thought of self-hypnosis scares the life out of me. I think I don't, because will I wake up? <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I said when I wake up. Uh, yes, hypnosis isn't always about having your eyes closed so you can hypnotize yourself and still be consciously aware of what's going on it's not dissimilar to do you drive amy yes have you ever driven down a road and you've been two or three miles down the road and it's as if you've just become aware of that journey yes you can't remember anything you have no recollection of what's going on mm -hmm. but you weren't driving with your eyes closed you were thinking on a dominant thought that allowed you to defocus everything else that's going on around you. However, if anything would happen, you would snap out of that thought and take control of what you're doing. Yes. But that's not dissimilar to being hypnotized, although you're functioning completely well cognitively and uh, behaviorally, changing gear, looking in the mirror, doing whatever you're doing. You're just not consciously aware of what you're doing and you're just sort of like zoning out for a bit. Yes. And um, that's the same thing. So, yeah, self-hypnosis isn't always having your eyes closed. So it's focusing on one thought and being able to literally tailor that thought. And that's the only thought that you're thinking about at that time, which I guess is how you then input your suggestive words and your suggestive yeah, phrases. So when they're focusing on that thought, they then start thinking about the positive things that you instill in them. That's nearly spot on. <laughs> um, it's just it's just missing one area. Whenever we're focusing on a dominant thought or image, uh, hypnosis is a lot more. That it's about suggestibility. It's about imagination. It's using areas of our brain functions, left and right brain. It's about concentration. Uh, but whenever we're installing a hypnotic uh, or going through a hypnotic procedure to help a client, what happens is that we are beginning to. When we talk about deepening with hypnotherapy, we're not deepening sleep. We're deepening suggestibility. Mm -hmm. And we can measure that as well. And that's very important, especially from a scientific point of view. What happens whenever we enter hypnosis is that we bypass the critical faculty in our mind. So we take on board suggestion a lot easier and don't challenge it. 
but it's not just hypnotizing somebody and saying, you know what, you're really good horse rider, just get out there and ride it and you'll be fantastic. There are other elements that we need to take on board. But that, that's what's happening is that if I was to say to you something, you'd challenge that in your mind at a conscious level. Mm. We're just taking it a little bit deeper, putting those same suggestive thoughts into somebody's mind that they can do something and immensely rehearse it in their mind as well. But we're bypassing that critical uh, faculty that's telling us, no, that's not strictly true or we can't do that. Which all sort of brings us around in a, a bit of a circle to what we were talking before. It's just, you know, I'm telling myself I can do this, I can do this. But I'm not really taking on board that suggestion. Yes. So it's that voice that's telling you that I'm not taking this on board that you bypass. Ah, I see. I, it's really interesting and I, I am a complete advocate for this style of mind training and for cognitive behavioural therapy and for hypnotherapy because for me it's worked. It's done it's done me wonders and I need to go back to it and I need to do it a little bit more and like you said, go back and use those tools and techniques again. Um, but in the beginning, I was so afraid of it. I was so afraid because my whole fear and lack of confidence and fear of riding comes from being out of control and not being able to control the horse and not being able to control what's going to happen. The fear of them being out of control under hypnotherapy was mega scary. And that's what stopped me from going having it done for so long. But learning how it worked and learning how hypnotherapy works and how you're not controlling my mind. I'm still in control of myself. (laughs) But you're just using suggestive words as well as the other things that you do. It made me relaxed enough to be able to go and have it done. And then it worked. And I'm a much more confident rider. I'm still not confident. Much no, I need to not say that. I need to not say I'm not confident. I need to say I'm a much more confident rider now than yeah. I ever was before. <laughs> yeah, and this is, you know, this is this is exactly it. It's just how we are on a, a daily basis. We're putting these suggestions into our own head. Mm. It's fascinating, and Barry. It's how we change that. But you, you're absolutely right, Amy. It's all about control. And I show my clients how they can start to take back that control and not leave it down to, you know, fight or flight or just to that negative thoughts. And, and when they say... Oh, I, yeah, but I always think this way. I'm never going to be able to change. Well, if they keep saying that, they'll never be able to change. It's those mm. that want to change realize that, you know, what, there are different paths that they can take to help them get to where they want to be. And I've worn those shoes and they're not comfortable shoes. I wear completely different shoes now. I still have to work hard at it, but I wear completely different shoes now and they are a hell of a lot more comfortable. And it's just knowing that hypnotherapy, as you say, it's all about being in control. If you're in control of your mind, because there are only a number of things that we can control and influence, and most of it is within the confines of our skin. Everything else we can't control. But when we're riding, we're preempting something going to happen. Yes. The reality is if it does happen, we'll be in control and we'll manage it however we can manage it. The reality is, though, that we're waiting for something to happen all the time. And it's almost as if we're willing it to happen. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. And we say, well, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Because we're focusing on the wrong goals. We're focusing on, oh, my horse is going to bolt or it's going to rear up or, you know, oh, I, I want to go out and I don't want to fall off. You know, people don't <laughs> want to fall. Nobody really wants to fall off, but go out and enjoy. We're focusing on the wrong things. We're not focusing on the things around us. We're not focusing on enjoying our ride. We're focusing on the wrong type of goals. And that in itself can take away some of the enjoyment of riding. And, uh, you know, and I am just there to give that mental check of where our beliefs are, because sometimes we believe our beliefs are based on rational and logic and uh, an objective way of thinking. However, it's not always the case, you know, and we try to find things that uh, sort of uphold 
our beliefs that something is going to happen and then that sort of feels right well the clients that i work with the work that they do nothing feels right for them it's uncomfortable and that's why they move forward because they're working outside of their comfort zone all the time and that in itself means that their comfort zone gets bigger and bigger and bigger and that's how you know, i've made loads of mistakes amy i'm more than happy <laughs> to admit it but it's only because of the mistakes i've made has yeah. got me to, to where I am today. You're very passionate, Barry, and you're really, really motivational. Is there any tips that you can give us now that we can take away and say, but well, I'm going to go and use this now to help whatever issue I've got? Yeah, there's a, I can give you five tips. And uh, the first one is, what are your goals? Goal set, for me, goal setting is everything. Um, all of my uh, therapy is all solution-based. So it's all about defining what my client's goals are right from the very start. Mm-hmm. But what is your goal whenever you go out to ride? Uh, and again, getting back to this, is it not to fall off or is it to stay on? They're two different goals. <laughs> one's positive and one's negative. Yeah. So think about what your goals are. So that's one. Think about your the goals. Uh, so the second part leading into that is about visualization. Mentally rehearse all sp- if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sports people mentally rehearse uh, their game before they go to do it. Mm. So if you mentally rehearse, even take a second just to close your eyes and see yourself tacking up, mounting up onto the horse, how that feels. But yeah, you can take on board the smell of the horse. We all know what that smells like as well. <laughs> that feeling, just see yourself up there, see your shoulders back, see yourself as a confident rider and visualize how you're going to be and visualize a successful ride out as well. So as I say, sometimes we're just preempting things and we see the bad in everything. 
visualize a good ride out and visualize what it feels like when you come back and go you know what i've really enjoyed that that was fantastic um third thing is to stay relaxed as well save energy if you relax the mind you relax the body as well and just ease out that tension and by easing out that tension that eases it out of your legs and one of the ways you do that is just by taking some deep breaths if you take a deep breath in hold that for about five or six seconds and then exhale for six or seven seconds as long as you exhale longer than you're inhaling that will relax the muscles and all of a sudden it will help you start to think a little bit more rationally as well and you again you become a bit more in control uh, of your mind as well so think about what your goals are see yourself achieving those goals relax keep your focus as well your focus can only be in one of four places so keep your focus you need to know where your focus is uh, in the first place to know if it's in the right place or not mm. uh, but focus on if you feel yourself getting a bit anxious on a horse focus on some of the things around you focus on the trees focus on the plants and it just takes away your mindset of what's going on internally and shift it all externally and then you find that you know you start to ease that just by doing that and working on your breathing you can ease out tension and then just visualize yourself and remind yourself what your goal is and they all start to come together and they all start to work together as well uh, so that's goal setting uh, visualization being relaxed and focused and the other thing is self-talk as well and I'll give you a really good tip for self-talk there's two parts to this there's first of all is recognizing the negative language uh, mm -hmm. that we're giving ourselves the second part is changing that language. Uh, and there's a great CBT tip that you can use, which is if you recognize a negative thought, I'm going to fall off my horse. I'm not going to make that jump. He's going to be really nervous today or she's going to be really nervous today. If you're not riding the horse, snap your fingers or clap your hands or just slap the side of your leg. It's called pattern interrupt. It's the same way as if, if you're having a conversation with somebody and somebody comes and interrupts that conversation and they just say, oh, can I just have a minute? And they'll say what they'll say and then go away. And then I'm talking to you and I'll turn around and go, Amy, well, I can't remember where <laughs> I was now. I completely lost my train of thought. Have you ever been in that yes, situation? Yeah. <laughs> Whenever we're thinking negatively, we're also taking on board those negative experiences and those negative feelings as well. And when we change and interrupt that pattern, all those negative feelings disappear oh. with that negative thought. So we can interrupt it by recognizing that negative thought, interrupting it by either, if we're riding, just slapping the side of our uh, leg or um, snapping your fingers, something that you can do that's quite easy just to interrupt that pattern and then replace that with a more positive thought. So for instance, I don't want to fall off. Just re replace that quite easily with, you know what, I'm going to enjoy my ride and I'm going to stay on and enjoy this right to the very end, and I'm going to be absolutely fine. And it's just things like that. So setting your goals, knowing what's going to happen uh, before you uh, you go out, visualize yourself having a successful ride out. Uh, and trust me, Amy, it doesn't <laughs> always go to plan. Okay. That's fine. We'll react to that, and we'll manage it as it happens, but it doesn't always go to plan. Look at uh, your self-talk, stay relaxed, and focus on the right things for your ride rather than the wrong things does that help yeah no that's amazing it's brilliant so i've got i've got a box full of them <laughs> uh, of loads of things and you know there's so many levels of uh, work that i do with my clients you know, and this uh, you know some people respond to some areas there's a lot of classical work with hypnotherapy that i use as well and it, it's just 
finding out during the first session what I feel is going to work for my clients and get them back to being a confident rider in the shortest time possible. Oh, thank you so much, Barry. It's amazing. If we want to find you, you've got a website. It's theconfidenthorserider.com. So you can um, send you an email on that website if if you need help, if you want a bit of advice, if you just want to chat and say, look, Barry, help me, please. (laughs) Yeah, get me, as I say, get me at uh, www.theconfidenthorserider.com. Happy to answer any questions. Uh, I I do find that when people come to see me, I'm the last resort, mainly because of what you said earlier about people having this preconceived idea that hypnotherapy is all about losing control. Um, mm. And whenever they do come to see me, a lot of times they say, oh, I wish I'd come to see you first now. <laughs> um, but any questions, uh, there's a lot. I have a great blog uh, on the website. If there's any questions that you have, I'm more than happy to answer them. Just contact me through the website. It'd be great to hear from you. And you're also on Twitter as well. What's your Twitter handle? Yep, my Twitter handle is at Dreamtime Hypno. Again, uh, it's nearly all equestrian-based activity on there. And you do a lot on Twitter. You're great. You're very active on Twitter. And um, you give a lot of advice and a lot of tips and things like, I think your pinned post is the five tips to being a more confident rider. And they're great little little snippets that you can take away and think, oh yeah, I'm going to try that today. And I'm going to keep using that. And, and it will work. It's just, like you said earlier, it's the commitment. It's being committed to changing your thought process and thinking more positive and it will affect the rest of your life as well the other sections of your life you'll find you're a little bit more positive in other areas as well that is absolutely true you know some people live in a bubble that they don't particularly like living in that they don't realize that there is uh, answers for them and support Mm. for them uh, to break out of that bubble and there's a big world out there you know Uh, (laughs) there's a big world and you know even just bringing it all back to equestrian it's about you know, what are your goals? Is it just that you want to have a happy hack out and just get out with friends uh, or hack out into open countryside? There's a lot of people come to me because they can't do that, you know, mm. they, or they can't go out on their own. Um, it's just sometimes getting it back to basics of just enjoying what we love to do. That's what it's all about sometimes. Thank you so much, Barry Cridland. I hope you have an amazing year this year. Amy, thank you very much. I'm really (laughs) grateful for the opportunity. And um, I know that Horse Hour is going to go from strength to strength. So keep up the good work. And uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And uh, have a fantastic year yourself. Thank you. Bye. I'd like to introduce to you somebody who is part of a governing body. She is the one that helps regulate the horse industry, the equestrian industry. Her name's Anna Hall and she's from the BEF. Now, let me explain a little bit about what the BEF does. They're the British Equestrian Federation and it's the national governing body for horse sports in the UK. They're affiliated with the FEI. Now, if you're like me, you've always seen the FEI. You know, they have the dressage competitions, but we never actually know what it means. Well, the FEI is the Federation Equestri International. Anna, that sounds a little bit posh. <laughs> yes. But you work for the BEF. Now, basically, from, from what I gather, the whole point of this governing body is to make sure that it's safe for riders, make sure that instructors are actually instructors. And um, your job is to work with the government to get more people into horse riding. That's right. Yeah. So my title rather grandly is head of participation. And we receive money from Sport England to try and get more people involved in equestrian sports to improve the health and well-being of the nation. So we're one of 46 national governing bodies that receive money from Sport England. So it includes people like British Cycling, the Football Association. um, But we are one of them. And so we are there to increase 
increase participation. And we do that primarily through our Hoof brand, Mm -hmm. which hopefully guys that are listening will have heard of. So our website is hoofride.co.uk. And really it's to try and get more people interested in riding, but for those people already participating to get more out of their riding. So basically, let's start from the beginning then. The yeah. government decided following the Olympics that the Olympics would be a good a, a good way to get more people into sport. So there's money that's allocated by the government. So your taxes paid to the government. They've allocated money to actually get more people into cycling and more people into running and, and more people into quite obscure sports as well. And so they've picked equestrian. So then that money is in a body called Sport England. Sport England. So they're an agency of the government. Um, and they allocate the money out. That's correct. So then they have then given a selection of money to you guys and yep. said, right, run with it, Anna. We need as many people riding, as many people into horses as we can possibly get. That's right. And most of that money actually comes from National Lottery. So it isn't actually from taxes. Um, and it was in place before the Olympics as well. Oh, really? So it, it, okay. Yeah. So we are primarily funded by National Lottery. We have uh, funding from Sport England, which is for participation. So that's grassroots but we also have funding for performance from UK Sport, which is all about getting medals. So we have two kind of funding streams and they are both very much supported by the National Lottery. So how do you then go out there and get more people into equestrianism? Yeah, OK. So there's lots of different ways in which we try and get people involved. So um, as I said, we have our website, um, we have our Facebook page, Who Fried, and we have a Twitter feed. So obviously we're out there doing things on socials. Um, we have certain campaigns, marketing campaigns. I'll, I can mention a little bit about what we've been doing this year. Um, we have events, um, but also we have a network of four regional participation coordinators who are out there working with equestrian businesses, primarily with riding centres, but also linking up through our member bodies to livery yards to try and get more people involved and trying to support those businesses. We also offer funding, which I know that that your listeners that maybe run riding schools will be very interested in or competition centres to try and get more people involved. So if people want to make improvements to their centres that will um, increase participation, we do actually have funding that we have from Sport England to go out to the sector, but also can signpost funding through other routes as well. Oh, that's amazing. It's good that you're supporting the businesses as well because yeah. it is a struggle. You know, we're not going to lie. Especially especially now, you know, we've been through the recession and loads of businesses are suffering, but it seems that the, the equestrian world are the ones that suffer quite a lot because it's seen as a luxury and it's yeah. a hobby and it's something fun to do. And um, I know of three riding schools in Dorset that closed down last year. Because, well, one's a livery and two riding schools purely because they couldn't afford, they couldn't afford the insurance for the horses and they couldn't afford to keep the upkeep going of the actual schools so it's great to know that you're out there to support them yeah and we can we we offer support in any which way that we can so um, as I say we have uh, four regional participation coordinators but because we're part of a wider federation we're actually making very strong links with British dressage eventing show jumping and across into the British Horse Society Pony Club and Riding for the Disabled so actually if you start joining up those organizations plus people from the other 19 member bodies, you actually have quite a strong workforce out on the ground, which can really support people to increase participation. And one thing I've learned from doing this podcast each week is that we are a huge community. Yes, we are absolutely massive. <laughs> and we like to fight for our cause. <laughs> yes. And we are a very important uh, community as well, just in terms of things like animal welfare and just um, 
access, that sort of thing. So we are a, a campaigning in- industry as well. Well, the great thing is that there's, a, a, I know there's a few local people where I live. Um, they've actually got on board with the council and they're... they're they're working out where the bridal ways are and they're making more bridal ways and they're getting the bridal ways written clearer on maps and and easier to signposted and I know that's not participating in riding but that is definitely participating in the whole overview of, of equestrian or of horses. Yeah and that's absolutely right so we are measured by Sporting and on the numbers of people that participate so I kind of like to call it bums on saddles but <laughs> Um, for us, it's really important that we increase the number of spectators, we increase the number of volunteers. So actually, for us, it's about enhancing the equestrian industry because we could not do what we do without volunteers. It's absolutely vital to us, but we couldn't have competitions, we wouldn't have the bridal ways that we do. So it is so vital to the sport that actually every single part of the industry relies on volunteers and the goodwill of people. And like you said earlier, this is from grassroots right up yeah. to comp- high level competition riding as well. That's right. So we tend to focus on the participation side about getting people into riding. So real recruitment side, but also retention. So making sure that people are getting the most out of their riding. Uh, we've had a project with the British Horse Society, which launched after a very successful pilot where we were finding that people were starting to lose their confidence a little bit um, or perhaps feel that they weren't getting enough out of their riding when they keep their horses on a livery yard. And so this project with the British Horse Society is actually working with registered instructors to go out there and provide training at the livery yard to a whole group of people, almost like creating a bit of a social community and delivering essential horse knowledge certificate and progressive riding tests so that people get so much more out of their riding and are less likely to stop. Um, and so they really can get more out of their horse and really ha- create a better bond as well. Oh, that's so, an amazing idea. Because yeah. when you're at a livery yard, you kind of feel like you're on your own. And you're absolutely not. And there is, so we, we know that there is a market for people wanting to have training and support. At the moment, it's around qualifications, but it could be around going to fun rides. And actually, if you can create a bit more of a community in a livery yard, then people are more likely to want to come back for more. Is this something that you need to speak to the livery yard owners about? Or can can it be like, for example, I don't own a livery yard. I, I'm just on a livery yard. Yeah. So could I call you and say, hey, you know, we've got a few people that are really interested in, in this service that you offer. Can you come down and see us? Or do, you, do we need to get the yard owner to phone? Um, it's helpful if the yard owner is linked into it and is supportive because obviously they can get more people involved in the livery yard rather than just perhaps a, a select few. But actually, we are uh, linking up with the BHS and they're using their membership, they're using the riding clubs to communicate with individuals like yourself to say, actually, you need to speak to your other liveries or the livery yard proprietor to try and get this set up at your livery yard. Um, so if you're interested, then the best thing to do is email hoof at bef.co.uk and we can provide you with a lot more information. There are a couple of project managers that the BHS are, uh, have got leading this campaign. So, yeah, the aim is to get 4,000 people involved in this by the end of March 2016 and 8,000 by March 2017. So we're quite ambitious. Wow. How many have we got so far? <laughs> well, actually, we've got 2,000 already. Oh, that's brilliant. So, um, so we're kind of halfway there to the March targets and this is a collaborative project with the BEF and the British Horse Society Um, and you don't have to be on a a British Horse Society approved livery yard to do this. Okay Um, and the instructors that you choose then they're British Horse Society approved instructors do you I mean say you're listening and, and you're an instructor and you want to be part of this how would they be able to get involved? 
Absolutely. So if they contact their um, usual contact through the British Horse Society, they can find out a lot more about it. So or they can look online around the participation project and find out more information. So part of your role then is gaining a giving support to people who already ride and yeah. trying to get new people riding. Um my first thing for you would just be my first thing to say would be how do we get the other halves riding because my my boyfriend I mean he's amazing he comes down and he'll kind of stroke blackjack a little bit and he'll brush him and I'm like right okay next step is get on and we're nearly there (laughs) but we haven't quite made it for a riding lesson yet yeah so for me the best advocate is you because you are much closer to him than the BEF is for example (laughs) And actually, if we can use every single person on this uh, that's listening to this podcast to get one person involved, we would increase participation enormously. So actually, it's the personal touch. And we had a campaign in the summer linked to This Girl Can Ride, which was a campaign linked up with Sportingland's This Girl Can, which hopefully mm-hmm. you've already yep. seen, to try and it was a rider get rider campaign. So um, we were asking riders to go out and get a friend and either take them along to stables just to see what it's like or get them to groom a horse or just take those initial steps towards horse riding or whether it's taking a friend along to spectate or volunteer. So really just trying to get more people closer to horses and to think about it as a sport and how they can get involved. So kind of really relying on the goodwill of fantastic people like yourselves. But yeah, we, we have um, we, we've got a bit of a mission to try and get everyone to get their other halves involved. I've got my other half carriage driving. Have you? Um, yes. Yeah. And we've had a new member of the team recently who came from uh, the um, uh, rugby league and who'd never ridden before. And we got him on a horse last Monday and he had an absolutely fantastic time so yeah we've had some really fantastic stories men are are so frustrating because they're (laughs) they I watch them go for their first lesson and I remember flopping about and not you know not being able to even have the strength (laughs) to hold myself up somehow they've got so much upper body strength they just make it look so easy and they get it straight away Well, he was doing rising trot within the hour um, without a lead rein. But I think I think obviously being a rugby coach, that certainly helps. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. The skills that you can take from one sport are really transferable and having good core strength, which many people through many other sports have is fantastic for horse riding. So absolutely, we need to be all advocates of our sport and to try and get everyone else involved and engaged. A lot of the thing that I guess would be quite difficult for you is getting over the the fact people are scared and it's the fear of horses and they're powerful and what can they do. And that's where you've got to find a a stables or a yard that's you can trust that the horses you can trust. Absolutely. And um, we are aware that people can be quite intimidated by riding centres, having maybe never having been to one with big animals wandering everywhere. Um, And actually, we had a bit of a pilot last year. It was one of our events called Give Horses a Go Day. Um, and we had 43 riding centres open their doors and offer free riding sessions. Wow. And when I say riding sessions, I'm just talking about kind of five to 15 minute lead rein sessions. But this really was to try and break down some of those barriers because and some people didn't want to get on a horse, which is fine. But there were stable management and grooming sessions on as well. And at those 43 centres, we had 2,100 people attend. And of those, 330 booked onto lessons. So we are so thankful to those centres because obviously they didn't make any money on that day. But they've all come back to us saying, actually, the number of bookings that they had was fantastic as a result. And they want to do it again next year. So we're already planning for a, a whole weekend event on the 17th and 18th of September in 2016. We'll be running a weekend Give Horses a Go event. 
So hopefully we'll have many more riding centres opening their doors and just encouraging to people to come along and join in their open day. We had centres offering barbecues and cake sales and just really to create a bit of a local community because people are a little bit intimidated mm. by riding centres, particularly if they've never been there before. So, yeah, that was a real success for us this year and we're definitely going to do it again in 2016. And do you help the riding centres with other things like marketing, like advice on how to do their website and how to even... Okay, let's be honest here. Some some horse riders, some teachers are really not very good at customer service. Yeah, so absolutely. We um, have worked with an organisation called Sports Coach UK who mm-hmm. know all about coaching and have delivered a whole load of workshops about in- delivering engaging ses- sessions to adults and children. And we also offer customer service training. Um, we haven't done a huge amount of that recently. There was a huge um, push on that post-2012, working with John Lewis and using a lot of the skills that they have built up. Um, But we tend to offer quite a lot of one-to-one advice. But as I said, we only have four regional (laughs) participation coordinators that cover the whole of England. So we do our best in terms of supporting riding centres. But we have a whole load of different products, which it might be worth you guys being aware of. Um, So we've worked with uh, Riding for the Disabled Association, and we're aware that the RDA does fantastic work for people with disabilities. Mm. But we know that many RDA centres are oversubscribed because there is such huge demand. And so we've actually come up with this accessibility mark. So centres can apply for accessibility mark and they will get RDA come out and train them in how to deal with people with disabilities. So they can offer commercially available riding lessons, riding sessions for people with disabilities. We've got 23 riding centres signed up already with another 36 in the pipeline. So actually we're opening our doors and trying to get more riding centres to link up with people with disabilities. But we also have some things working with the Pony Club and trying to get more children involved. So we know children love the Pony Club, but we know that uh, young girls tend to drop out of sport between the ages of 13 and 18. Oh, yeah, that's because so, boys come along. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, boys <laughs> come along, but also teenage angst, mm-hmm. maybe, oh, I don't want to be involved in that sport kind of thing, or I want to do things my way is the kind of <laughs> thing that we found. Um, and so we've come up with this idea called Young Equestrians. And it really is like young farmers, but for people who are into horses. And this is a club that is run by the participants. They do what they want. So we've had things like Zumba on horseback, circuit training, all sorts of things. (laughs) And again, riding centres can apply to us um, to try and get involved with young equestrians and have a young equestrians club at their centre. They don't need to be a pony club centre. And so they actually, again, it's very social. And this is around retaining and recruiting young people. And the final thing that we do for young people is at YELLA, which is the Young Equestrian Leaders Award, which is, I would say, it's like Duke of Edinburgh, but for people who want to volunteer in the equestrian community. Mm. So we have bronze, silver and gold. And to get gold, you have to do 120 hours of volunteering. So it really is to try and encourage people to volunteer in the equestrian world, to develop leadership skills, to develop confidence, aimed at 13 to 25 year olds. Um, and it's a fantastic thing to put on your CV, on your UCAS form, whatever you're doing. So really trying to support people in the round to get involved in equestrian sport. And again, riding centres can link up with us to become yellow accredited centres so they can volunteer at their centre, but also volunteering with British Eventing as a fence judge or, or steward or BD. So to get gold, you have to, I think, volunteer with three different member bodies. Mm. So there's quite a lot going on, as you can see. I don't know where you find the time. <laughs> 
four four people in four regional managers and you bless you well uh, luckily i have i do have three other able staff in head office um but they do cover things like coaching facilities funding mm. uh, as well as participation so uh, yeah a team of eight we have quite a large remit <laughs> so you could i guess um hook up with local businesses that maybe aren't in the equestrian world like you did with john lewis but that maybe have the skills that you want to teach these people Absolutely. And we have very good links locally with um, organisations called County Sports Partnerships. Mm -hmm. So every county has, again, a government funded organisation whose job it is to get sport developed and increasing participation within their county. So they link up with local authorities, they link up with businesses through a thing called the Workplace Challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually, we can deliver quite a few things with their support. They also have funding uh, called Sportivate, which is getting young, inactive people into sport. And over the past four years, we've had thousands of young children get involved in equestrian sport that wouldn't otherwise have got involved through Sportivate funding. And actually, the silver um, medal winner of Sport of Eight Participant of the Year was actually someone who had gone to a riding centre up in the northwest um, and had a fantastic time, never ridden before. So, yeah. Oh, brilliant. I'm noticing a lot more adults are coming back into riding as well. It's not just the youngsters. Like, I came back at a, a very late age, so I didn't get my horse until I was 28. Um, That's not a late age at all. <laughs> 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 it feels late I'm now 31 <laughs> but I'm, I'm definitely not getting younger and it gets harder as you get older because the fear comes in and, and you lose your confidence so much more and actually I think when you're younger you, d- you don't really care you're like oh yeah okay if I fall off I'll bounce back I fall off now and it really it really hurts yes yes but also you know I've got responsibilities now like if, if I if I fall off and really hurt myself I can't work like that's me out um so it's overcoming those fears with psychologically I think getting people into riding even at a later stage so I also have friends that are uh, 55 and um, they've always wanted to go riding and never had a chance so they're getting into it but I think there's this element of age and don't quote me on this because I could be wrong (laughs) between around about 30 and around about 50 where you're just scared of life and then when you get over 50 to about 60 you go I I really don't care anymore like I've (laughs) got nothing to lose I'm gonna go for everything um but there are people coming back into riding or even starting riding much later so what can we do to try and get them into into going to their local yard yeah so um I'm glad you asked that (laughs) it's almost (laughs) as if I made you ask anyway and we have a uh, similar program to some of the ones that I've mentioned called take back the reins Mm -hmm. um and it's a it varies depending on the riding center but it's sort of a six to 12 week program with the idea that people may have ridden when they were very small or actually may never have ridden and it's a course that you do as a group and it's an adult only group um and it really the idea is to again to create a bit of a social community and um kind of a supportive environment so if everyone's starting from the same point mm. they actually say no no look your trot is fantastic and they're supporting each other not just listening to the instructor who would be encouraging them anyway but actually they've got that supportive environment and they're learning together mm. and so we've had many people doing take back the rain so if you go on our website you can find the centers that offer it 
um, and actually come back into riding through that route or actually can be suitable for people that haven't ridden before. Um, We're also aware of a number of initiatives that we're linking up with to do with um, equine Pilates or something similar to that. What is that? So basically, (laughs) this is about fitness for riding. But for some people, getting on a horse, getting from a sofa onto a horse is quite a challenge. Mm. And actually, getting the fitness before you get on a horse is quite important. And so they would rather do things like mat work and maybe working on a mechanical horse before they actually get on a real horse to build up their confidence. Mm. And we actually do have Henry, our mechanical (laughs) horse, um, and he'll be going on a bit of a tour in 2016 with um, Robocop and Trigger, who are the beta mechanical horses, the British Equestrian Trade Association. And we'll be going to shows, we'll be going to shopping malls to showcase all the different things that you can do with equestrian sport. So yeah, there are many routes back in. And to prove how hard it is, because I am sick of yes. people saying, you just sit on a horse. You do easy. not just sit no. there. <laughs> like, I have muscles that I didn't even know existed. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so it's good. And it really, really is good for fitness. But we, we know that because you know, we're equestrians. Um, what I'm finding really interesting is how more and more people are going to shows that maybe aren't into horses and they're genuinely enjoying them. So yeah. like the Olympia, like the badminton, it used to be only horsey people that went. But now I think they're doing a really good job actually making it open open to kids and a more of enjoyable experience for people that maybe don't ride. And I was speaking to a lady last at the end of last year in December, and she's the founder of a stunt troupe called yeah. Les Amis Dono. And she does stunt riding. And she's finding that her work is picking up for events because actually that's a total brilliant, persuasive thing to do to bring the men. So the men and the kids that maybe aren't into horses love the show and that everything's yeah. cool that's going on. And then actually when they're there, they think, oh, actually, this is, this is quite cool. It's not just people... I had an ex-boyfriend that used to say, I'm not going to stand and watch you ride around in circles. Like, that is is so boring for me. But you take them to an event like that where it's a little bit more razzmatazz, there's more going on. It's really, really exciting. So what events are are you doing in 2016? So 2016, as I say, we're doing this mechanical horse tour um, with British Equestrian Trade Association. We're also planning to link up with a sports show, which is the first show ever at the NEC, which is not only showcasing sport, it's people can go along and try loads of different sports so you've got football you've got rock climbing you've got netball you've got gymnastics and we'll be along at sports show and that's happening in June we'll also be linking up with a lot of our member bodies so we have member bodies such as horseball polo cross mounted games and trying to tell people the, the activities that they're doing the events they can go along and spectate we're also speaking to British vaulting who've got their national championships in Warwickshire I think next October and again we want people to come along to these events these events are normally free and they could be big national events and people don't necessarily know about them and they are huge spectacles they are fantastic so telling people about events that are happening throughout the year but also linking up with across the member body so whether it's olympic disciplines or whether it's non-olympic disciplines telling them about their sort of try events we know that there's things like try and go eventing Mm -hmm. and some of the my quest type things British dressage but there's things such as try before you buy with uh, endurance GB so actually trying to get people to link up with having a go at different disciplines and maybe 2016 is something as a year that you can try something a bit new Mm -hmm. with it being an Olympic year what is your goal for 2016 what is your Olympics 
So yeah, do something a bit different in 2016. Oh, Anna, I love your passion. <laughs> I'm like, right, okay, what can I go try now? Vaulting, let's give that a go. Like, yeah, and, and actually, if you try things like we've had um, uh, one of our regional participation coordinators tried polo cross and she's <laughs> absolutely hooked. We've got others involved in horse ball and it just, it's just doing something a little bit different. Um, and there are places out there that you can do it. You can turn up and just have a riding school horse and play horse ball. It's fantastic. That, that's a, another really good point as well, is that we tend to stick to the norm. And even, I know that your goal is to get new people riding, but even for the people, for us that are already riding and already have horses or maybe go for a lesson once a week, we forget how many new things there are to try. We forget that you can go to Jim Carners and you can yeah. go and, you know, we look on YouTube and we find the videos and say, oh yeah, that looks great. I want to play a ball with a, with my horse. I'm going to put a ball in. My horse freaks out with the ball and I think, oh, I won't bother with playing with the ball in the field. <laughs> Um, but there's so many other things that we could try that, yeah. that we don't even know are out there. Like, I had no idea you could go vaulting. No yes. idea. And you ought to give it a go because actually there are more adults getting involved in vaulting than ever before. Because it's not just around, I don't know, leaping and doing incredible things that mm. probably at my age I couldn't do. <laughs> but it is about core strength. It is about balance. And actually, if you can stand on the back of a horse and do something a bit different, then actually that's fantastic for balance and just your general everyday riding. And in Germany, most riders actually vault before they can ride. And it is huge in Germany. So actually some of the, yeah, some of these smaller sports actually may be areas that there might be significant growth and people might want to try something a little bit different. Mm. And it's really good fun. And it's bringing the fun element back into riding again, because we do get stuck in our ways. We go to the school every day we trot around and it and make the horse look pretty and it's really good and then you go on a hack and yeah that's great and you tend to plod around the same things but it's expanding we forget what we've got in our hands already and it's just expanding yeah. that and learning so much more and ultimately it's only going to make us more confident riders in the end anyway and if we manage to drag a few friends along and get them to enjoy it as well then then that's a bonus. So there's, Absolutely. there's so many different ways that we can get involved then so it's all on your website. It is, yeah. So whofried.co.uk or like our Facebook page, which is whofried, or our Twitter, which is at whofried. And if you want to contact us, it's hoof at bef.co.uk. And really, we're just making a bit of a pledge to everybody, whether you're a participant, whether you're a business, whether you're involved in the equestrian industry, to really kind of club together and think about how you can grow the industry how you can link up because really what we want to do is have a thriving sustainable equestrian industry which is the, for the good of everybody amazing thank you so <laughs> much anna can we follow you on twitter of course you can yes at who fried at who fried is on twitter and yes. um you're going to let me know all the events that you've got coming up and we will let horse hour know so they'll be on twitter at horse hour and uh, i'll mention a few on the up and coming podcast in 2016 as well so good luck anna it's Brilliant. lovely to meet you and thank you very much for joining us thanks very much hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.